You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Tim Brooks. I want to welcome you to Wednesday Night Bible Study. Here we are, at least for a, a little while longer. This is our Wednesday Night Church. You know, we're right in the middle of this four-week study of Philippians. The Apostle Paul writes to the Christians at Philippi, telling them how to live in joy. What is so compelling about this is the fact that he writes this, this letter on how to live in joy, he writes it from a prison cell in Rome. Here he is, having been lied about, falsely accused, beaten, jailed. He never mentions any of that. He writes on joy. Open your Bible to chapter 3 of Philippians, and let's pick up right where we left off in our last lesson. Verse 1, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. All right, what is Paul saying in this? First of all, in this section, he opens, and I want you to look at this, whatever happens. Now look at this. Whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. Now this is a real key for us living our lives in joy. We're not to look at whatever happens to find our joy. You know, whatever happens, sometimes it's good Sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's fun, sometimes it's not very fun. You know, when you're looking at whatever happens to find your life, then your life is lived on a roller coaster and you live jerked around all the time. Paul is teaching us here, whatever happens is not looked at, it just is what it is. Now you rejoice in the Lord. Well, what a lesson right here. Whatever happens doesn't control whether I rejoice in the Lord or not. I just choose to rejoice in the Lord. Verse 2 goes on and and 3 goes on and says, warns us, look out for the dogs, those who do evil, those mutilators. You know, there's always people that want to undermine the truth, want to undermine the things of God. We got to watch out. Watch out in your own life, whether you're on the phone or with friends or at work. Be careful with people who walk in jealousy, people who walk in insecurity. They want to undermine, they want to undermine the truth of the gospel. Stay true to sound teaching. Our salvation is through Jesus. It's not through the works of the flesh. And Paul says, if anybody could brag in the works of the flesh, man, I've done it all. Paul knew very well that you don't mutilate the flesh, you don't do anything in the flesh to be saved. Our salvation comes through Jesus. Verse 5, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I'm a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that harshly persecuted the church as 
for righteousness. I obeyed the law without fault. You know, Paul knows the futility of trying to obtain salvation by good works. He did that. He did that to the ninth degree. I mean, he obeyed the works of the law, trying to obtain salvation. And one day, he met Jesus. One day, Paul saw himself compared to Jesus. He had reached the highest peak that religion has to offer. And compared to others, boy, he was top dog. But one day, Paul compared himself to Jesus. Verse 7, I once thought these things were very valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with Him depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised Him from the dead. I want to suffer with Him, sharing in His death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. You know, we read about it in Acts chapter 9. Paul met Jesus on the Damascus Road, and a miracle of rebirth took place, and he was changed. It changed who he was. Christianity is not about one time I didn't go to church in my life, now I'm starting to try to get back in church. That's not what Christianity is based on. Christianity is a change in who you once were. Paul lost his friends, he lost who he was, he lost his prestige, he lost his career, he lost his religious position, and he considers all of that worthless in view of knowing Jesus. Look what it says in verse 8. Not knowing about Jesus, it's knowing Jesus. In church, there's a huge difference. I want you to know there's a huge difference. I know a lot of people. There's people that I know, but there's very few that I really know. And there's a difference in knowing about people and knowing somebody. And Paul is telling us there's a big difference in knowing about Jesus and coming to know Him. Once he said things were valuable. You got to know that things are temporary. They depreciate. They fall apart. They break. They quit working. And Paul says everything is worthless when you compare it to knowing Jesus in your life. Because that never depreciates, it never falls apart, and it never devalues itself. Why? Why can we have consistent joy? Because we don't look at depreciating things for joy. We look at knowing Jesus to find our joy. Verse 9 and 10 says, I became right with God through faith, not through all of this stuff. Now, let me, let, let me just stop right here. We're not against stuff. I want you to have a nice home, a nice truck. I want you to have nice clothes. I want you to have a nice boat. I want you to have, I want you to have a nice motorcycle or four-wheeler. There's nothing wrong with nice things. Just be careful about looking to those things to find your joy.
See, that's what happens in the world. We're looking to a new four-wheeler to find joy, except first time we ride it, it gets mud all over it. See, you don't look at things for your joy. You enjoy things. You enjoy them, but you find your joy in knowing Jesus. Let's go on. Verse 12. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let us all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make that plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress that we have already made. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, you won't ever, you won't ever exhaust the study that there is of this section in Scripture. This right here, verse 12 through verse 16, this is foundational Christianity. And we could just, we could spend countless hours studying what he is saying to us right here in this section. Let's dive into this. Not to say that I have achieved. You know, so much today, apathy is in control of people's lives. You know, they're just satisfied with sitting right there. Many wish they were better off. Many wish they knew more. Many wish they understood their trade better. Many wish for, for advancement in life but they never do anything about or do anything different to make that happen. Paul starts off here in in evaluating himself. And I want you to know self-evaluation can be wrong in two directions. Number one, you can see yourself better than you really are. And number two, you can see yourself worse than you really are. And both of those are an error that will lead you in the wrong ditch. I am saved. I am the righteousness of God, and Jesus has forgiven me. I have right standing with God. Yet, I'm still pushing on. There's more changing I need to do. There's more growing I need to do. There's a lot more maturing in the Lord that I need to do in my own life. Verse 13, this one thing I do, this is my one focus. And when we read this, we got to stop where it says one thing. You know, one thing is a phrase that is very important in the whole Christian life. Mark chapter 10, verse 21, Jesus said to the rich young ruler, One thing thou lackest. Luke 10, 42, Jesus said to Martha, One thing is needful. Psalms 27, verse 4, One thing I have desired of the Lord. You know, we just can read on and on and on. One thing is very important as we walk with the Lord. Too often we get our lives involved in too many things and we're not focused on one thing. Yes, in my own life, I have a lot of plates spinning. But I've got to focus on one thing. I'm reminded of Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 3. Nehemiah, his friends were saying, come down here and talk to us. He said, hold on, hold on. I'm not coming down off of this wall. You are not distracting me from the work that God's called me to do. James chapter 1, verse 8. 
a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Yes, me personally, I'm working hard. I'm building fence. I'm working cattle. I'm building some buildings. I'm meeting with a heat and air guy. I've got to meet with the roofer. I've got to meet with a plumber. I've got to meet with the carpenter. My house, I'm mowing the yard. I'm hauling off the trash. I've got a lot going on in my life. But one thing I have to focus on, one thing I've got to focus on, and that's my relationship and my walk with the Lord. I've got to focus on, in all these plates I have spinning, do I have a right attitude in all of this? Am I walking in patience in all of this? Am I walking in godliness in all of this? And we do this by looking ahead. We do this by looking ahead. It said, forgetting the past and look for what lies ahead. Now, there's no way we can talk long enough about the importance of forgetting what's behind and looking forward in your life. You want to have your joy stolen right quick, you start dwelling on past. You look back on past mistakes, past things, well, I wish I would have or I should have. Hey, there's no end to I should have. Now I look back, there's a lot of things I should have done. I've got to look ahead in my life if I'm going to walk in joy. If you're going to live in joy, I'm not talking about having some occasional happy moments. I'm talking about your life. If you're going to live in joy, you'll have to forget the past. Now, we all, 100% of us, all of us, have a past. It's not your success. It's not your right decisions that haunt you at night. It's past mistakes, past things that, oh, man, I should have not done that. They haunt you. They'll whip the life right out of you thinking about mistakes that you have made. Now let's go on. Look at this. Look at the end of verse 13. Forgetting the past. Uh, This word forget is often misunderstood. It does not mean in this sense a failure to remember. Apart from senility or a brain malfunction, no one forgets hurts or pains that have happened to you in your past. I I want you to get this. This word forget that Paul uses, it means no longer to be influenced by, no longer to be affected by. We're not talking about having some brain malfunction where you forget your past. What he's talking about here is, I'm no longer influenced by that. I am no longer affected by that. Clearly, you remember what happened to you. Clearly, some hurts and pains in your life, you remember them in living color. Paul remembers his past. He remembers exactly what he did. He remembers standing there as they stoned Stephen. He's not saying he's had amnesia and he forgot about some of the things that he did in his past. He's just saying, Jesus comes in, you're born again, and I'm no longer influenced, I'm no longer controlled, I'm no longer affected by all of that. Now, Jesus has me, not my past mistakes. They don't have me. I'm reminded of Hebrews 10, 17. God says, And their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. God's not going to suffer amnesia. God is saying here, Our sins no longer affect our standing with Him. Our sins no longer affect His attitude toward us. Now, I want you to listen. 
you cannot change your past, but you can change the meaning of your past in your own life. The things that are behind you must be set aside in your life. And the things before you have to take their place if you're going to live in joy. Focus on what lies ahead. I press on. That's an intense endeavor. I'm pressing on to what lies ahead. Now, it's interesting here in verse 14 and in this section, Paul uses a runner in a race. Paul uses the example, the Greeks were into athletic games. I mean, this was a big example. The Greeks were really into competitive athletic games. So he is using a runner as an example. Well, we could talk a long time about what all of this analogy of a runner teaches us. You know, one thing I'm thinking about, a runner in a race must obey the rules of the race. Now think about this. Every race has rules. A runner is not out here doing his own thing. There are rules of the race. And it's not up for discussion, nor is it up to each runner to choose for himself what best suits him. Well, I felt like I ought to just run over here. Well, for me, I'm going to run over here. Well, for me, I'm going to cut across this corner. Run. No, no, no. You don't decide for yourself. You're like a runner. You're like a runner in a race. Now, we're running a race, but every runner competes under the same set of rules. God laid out how we're to live. God laid out the rules of conduct. He laid out the rules of the race. Now, our job is to give it all we got. That's our job. You give it all you got. Your job is not to argue or discuss the rules of the race. Your job is not to come up with your own rules in the race. I personally believe it's... We don't care how you personally believe. Here's the rules of the race that you are running in. Your only job is to give it all you got. You know, the Bible is full of people who begin the race with great success but they failed at the end of their race because they disregarded God's rules for the race. For you to live in joy, you're going to have to give it all you got, but you have to do it God's way. Let's read on verse 17. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we're eagerly awaiting for Him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak, mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like His own, using the same power with which He will bring everything under His control. Wow. Verse 17. Pattern your life after me? Wow. Verse 18. Many's conduct shows that they are really an enemy of the cross of Christ. You know, I've got a lot of pressing things that I need to do in my life. There's a lot of pressing on 
that I need to do. I've not achieved it yet. I got to press on. But I'm just asking, is our conduct in a manner that you could say, pattern your life after me? Well, that is a challenge for us to live our life in such a way that we could say, pattern your life after me. Now, Paul said, look, I've got a lot more to do. There's pressing on. I've got a pressing on. I've not achieved it. I have not achieved it yet. I'm pressing on for what lies ahead. But yet in that, he is still able to say, pattern your life after me. Boy, that challenges me. That really challenges me. Can I stand here and say, if you'll act just like I act, boy, you're going to be in good shape. Woo! That's a mouthful right there. we got to press to be able to say, pattern your life like I. Pattern your life like I'm living. You know, it's, it's, it's concerning to me when I see Christians that call themselves Christians posting things and bragging about, verse 19, shameful things. It says shameful things. Then I see people living with somebody they're not married to, going on vacation and staying for a week on vacation with somebody that you're not married to and then posting it and bragging about it. You know, in our life, what happened to shameful things? I want you to know today, there are things that the Bible calls that shameful. That is shameful. And boy, if we're caught up in shameful things, the answer is to repent and turn from your wicked ways. It sure isn't to go about bragging on the shameful things that we do. The Bible here says we are citizens of heaven. And since we're citizens of heaven, we've got to act like we are. Well, to think about our life. I'm pressing on in my life. I want to be able. I want to live a life that I can truly say, if you'll live your life like me, you'll be okay. Well, that's a mouthful, but that's what Apostle Paul is charging us. He's calling us. He's challenging us. Our life lived in a way that we could say, pattern your life after mine. Boy, chapter 3, what a lesson. We have definitely hurried through this, but there is so much that you could go on and on and on, reading and reading and reading this and thinking about it, meditating on this word. Chapter 3, it's a great lesson for us. Let me pray for you today. Father God, right now, I ask the power of your Holy Spirit to lead and guide and to direct each one of us as we forget those things that are behind and as we press for those things that lay ahead. Lord, help us live our life in a way that we could say to others, pattern your life after me. Lord, be with us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this week, I really do encourage you. You read over chapter 3. I mean, read over and over and over. Get it in your heart. I'll see you next week right here, and we're going to finish with Philippians chapter 4 next week in our study. God bless you. Have a great week. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. 
For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com. 